0: This is Josh Bo, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyBall.com. Joining me this week, it's been a while, I believe, since he was last on the pod, but it's another fellow editor of the site, uh, Doyle Rader. Doyle, what's going on, man?
1: Not much. Glad to be back.
0: I know. It's been a while. We should have been trying to get you on a couple of times before, but I'm very, very, very bad about bailing or <laughs> changing up the times and stuff because I'm just not very organized with this kind of stuff, but I'm getting better. Hey, but you're here worry. now. Yeah. Um, really, I think we kind of wanted to get into just to go right off the bat. Uh, probably the the story that people are talking about a lot is what Dirk Nowitzki said last night against after the Indiana Pacers game where he said he this is probably the most he's felt like returning next season, or at least that's judging by reports. And Doyle, you were there. You were in the locker room after the game. Um, kind of give me a sense of what Dirk was talking about. And I know, you know, we can all read the quotes from the stories, but how did it feel, you know, him actually saying it, you know, kind of how do you infer or read between the lines of what he was talking about, about potentially coming back next season?
1: Uh, Well, yeah, I was literally standing right next to him. I think you can catch me in a few videos, but uh, it wasn't really, and this is my take, it wasn't really anything new from what he's said in the past. I mean, He said for at least several seasons now that as long as he's contributing and as long as he's feeling good and as long as he's having fun out there, he's going to lean towards continuing to play. Because, I mean, the retirement questions have obviously been around for a while. And last night he spoke about how this was the best he's felt and how he wanted to feel like this back in – November or December, like this is how he wanted to feel after about a month into the season. But obviously since he missed the first 26 games of the season with, uh, you know, inflammation and soreness and his tendons in the left ankle, you know, it took him a while to get back up to what he's used to, where he needs to be and all of that. So you have know, factor that in and then his role coming off the bench You know, he's never done that. It's an adjustment. So I also think that him starting has helped him a little bit as well in terms of just where he is. But it's pretty apparent that he is feeling good. He's mobile. He's, I think, played in these three starts, an average of about 24 minutes a game. Uh, Against the Pacers, he logged about 22 minutes and the other two games, he logged 25-plus. So he's, for all intents and purposes, back. I mean, he's he, he admitted last night that he had some soreness in his knees, that he had uh, checked out before the All-Star break, but was okay otherwise. So, I mean, you know, there's going to be some wear and tear, but it doesn't surprise me that, you know, he he's kind of still floating the idea that he's coming back potentially. He's constantly said that there's a lot of people who have gone out of their way, the league, Mark Cuban, various other people, you know, some people in the media as well, who just assume that he's hanging it up just because, you know, Dwayne Wade's having a a farewell narcissist tour and Dirk isn't about that, but you know, 21 seasons, it makes sense for him to hang it up, but he's, he's never definitively said that. And last night was really just a reiteration. And then it kind of helps that, you know, he's actually feeling good for once (laughs) this season. So, yeah, I think it was just kind of a perfect storm for this to, you know, blow up a little bit and get aggregated in certain, certain outlets.
0: Yeah. And you bring up a good point about how he never, you know what he said last night isn't that far off from what he's been saying since before this season or the season before. I pretty he pretty much any time he's been asked about retirement, he'll always the most he'll any he'll ever say is I'm gonna wait till the offseason and then make a decision. So it Kirk wrote about this on the site today. It's been really weird how the NBA has almost gone out of their way to give Dirk the farewell tour he never asked for. Even the and the farewell tour that might not even apply since he might come back next season. He's never really definitively said it, and it's been like this really odd feeling of watching him and watching the league, you know, put him in the All Star game and put him in the three point contest and all these opposing uh, fans on the road giving him these really nice send offs. And meanwhile, like you said, Dirk has never definitively said one way or the other what he's going to do next season. I think. You know, maybe a month ago, it kind of felt like he was gonna retire. I think he went on the low post podcast, Zach Lowe's podcast over at ESPN, and he really kind of sounded down about how he was playing and how the ankle rehab surgery uh the ankle rehab uh from his surgery was taking so long and he had the setback and he didn't he missed 26 games. Then he came back, and it was a weird time for him to come back because it was against a lot of really good teams. This really hard stretch the Mavericks were on, so he barely played, and when he did, he didn't look good, and it was weird. And and he probably was disappointed about the fact that the season hadn't gone the way he thought it would, because I, I'm pretty convinced he thought that the Mavericks were going to be a, a playoff hopeful, you know, during training camp, because I think he really liked the additions, you know, with Luka and with DeAndre Jordan. I think he thought the team was better than it really was. And so he was disappointed about that, disappointed in how long it's taking him to get back to at least full strength for him, you know, as a 40-year-old. So I, I could kind of, you know, I can understand why people would read the tea leaves and think, oh yeah, he's not coming back next season, but you know, like you said, he never really said it, and the NBA has definitely carried about like that he's said it. So uh, I think it would be hilarious if he came back next season and and all of these you know, farewell, you know, best wishes, uh, sentiments that have been going out to him. They kind of have to do it again. Like, are they going to put him in the All-Star game next year if he comes back? Like, that would be pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, like you said, he he's looked a lot better the last couple of games. You know, he had 11 points against the Pacers on Wednesday night. He had three three-pointers. He had a couple in the fourth quarter. And I think the big part about him is not only that he's, you know, shooting a little bit better from three, but, you know, when he was playing – you know, before before the All Star break, he was really getting run off the floor. The Mavericks were, and he just did not look good. And in these last couple of games, and the ones he started, he's not necessarily a big plus minus guy. But you know, last night he was minus three in twenty two minutes. You'll take that from forty year old Dirk uh, right now. You know, that's not bad. That's something they can manage. And they went on a little run with him in the fourth quarter before he he exited the game for good. So. For the first time all season, he kind of looks like how he started to look last year, where he wasn't necessarily a great player, but he was still able to kind of hold his own, and the Mavericks were able to hold his own while he was on the floor. So yeah, it's interesting. I hope he comes back. You know, I think the Porzingis trade might be the the tipping point, maybe in his decision, because it sounds like he really wants to play with him and Luca. I mean, those are the two. Probably the two youngest and best European players in the game right now uh, in terms of their that age range, that under 25 years old. And those are two guys that basically, you know, worshipped Dirk. You know, they grew up watching Dirk in his prime. So for Dirk to play one more year with those two guys and, and you would think the Mavericks would finally be closer to the playoffs next season with Kristaps with back, uh, that might be enough to convince him. So, so we'll see. You know, what do you think? Do you think that Porzingis – Trade is gonna weigh heavily on on his decision. Uh,
1: I mean, it's really kind of hard to tell. I'm not in his head, so all I can go off of is kind of what he said, and it's gonna be about his how, what kind of condition his body's in. Like, yeah, I mean, it was yeah. I listened to that that low post pod with him, which I I felt was great, but yeah, you could hear it in his voice that he was a little down. Obviously, they were on a road trip that was during some of the, the brutal winter stretch of some of this country's scene. So I'm sure that got to him a little bit too, but yeah, his body just like did not perform like he thought it would. And, you know, I think everyone kind of assumed when he tweaked that ankle uh, prior to training camp that it would just be like, Oh, okay. He'll, he'll, he'll bounce right back. He'll be ready to go, but he wasn't. And, So I think that was a huge kind of wake-up call for him in terms of where he is physically, and so like if he suffers another setback like that uh, in the last you know what month month or two of the season, who knows? Who knows where his mind's going to be come summertime? But if he's healthy and he and if he comes back and has a full summer of rehab and rest. Who's to say he's not just going to be like, "All right, we'll do it one more." And frankly, if he does come back one more year, they should put him in the All Star game again. The NBA has should, should absolutely put him back in. Like, come on, come on. No reason not. To.
0: Yeah, that seems like yeah, that seems like a no brainer. And it's an All Star game. Who gives Who gives a crap? Yeah, who cares? What I mean, do you want,
1: Rudy the, Gobert in there crying about defense? Like, come on, no. But let, let Dirk come out. And but like – Gun some threes for like a few minutes and then go back to the bench. Like who cares? Let him in.
0: Yeah, and I don't even think they I don't even think the Dirk and Wade spots this year even messed with any of the normal spots. Like they're just extra spots. So he's not even taking taking away. I think they should
1: do that regularly. Just have like two additional add ins. Like that I think that was a nice little added flair. Like it it's the all star game. Who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I know a lot of people want to make, like, a big deal about, like, oh, I don't know, it might mean something for the Hall of Fame. Who cares? It's the All-Star Game. It's fun. Like, you know, yeah. treat it like Luca treated it. Just have a giant smile on your face and go have fun.
0: Yeah, I'm down for that. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, it's tough to, to figure out, you know, what he's going to do. Like you said, you're not in his head. You brought up a good point about um, – the wake up call about where he is physically with how long he was taking to get back from that ankle surgery and and the setback he had, it kind of reminds me, you know, Dirk is not a big surgery guy. I mean, obviously, you know, no NBA athlete wants to be known as like a big surgery guy, but you know, this was the second, you know, major surgery he's had in his career. The other one was that knee surgery that he had in the summer of 2012 that kept him out you know, almost till Christmas. And that was, I know there's nothing really routine about a knee surgery, but that was supposed to be a relatively minor knee surgery that he was supposed to be back, you know, maybe by the start of the season or, or maybe a couple of weeks in. And he took a, I remember that rehab taking a really long time. Like people were asking questions like what's going on, you know, why, you know, where is he, why isn't he practicing yet? Like, I, I just remember that taking a long time. And then it took him a long time to to get into shape and, and, and get it back into his old self. You know, he played like a month and didn't look great. And, you know, this was, gosh, this is like almost seven, eight years ago, you know, six, seven years ago. So I know he wasn't necessarily a spring chicken then, but you know, he was, you know, 33, 34. So, you know, a little bit younger. So maybe that's just like a weird dirt. Maybe he just, he cannot handle, long bouts of rehab maybe his body just doesn't respond to it like other people maybe it's the age thing you know I'm not sure but you're right I think if he goes through another situation like he did last summer that's definitely gonna probably put the nail in the coffin in terms of his career I don't think he would come back if he experienced any sort of setback that kept him out for a month or more I think that's when he would be like you know what my body's telling me to quit so I'm gonna quit.
1: Yeah, I think so too. That that was the uh, the season where they all grew the beards, right? When he was out.
0: Yeah, that was the 500 beard season. <laughs> that, that, that was incredible.
1: I mean, it's we, I know. it's. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the Mavericks thing, though. They they downplay literally every serious injury that players sustain. It seems, and like I get that. It's the Mavericks are, are a spin machine when it comes to that stuff. Like, look at Chandler Parsons. You know, they they downplayed that one pretty significantly, and then. Let him go to, you know, uh, Memphis and sign that huge contract. And, you know, they laughed all the way to whatever player they signed with that Parsons money that they could have spent on
0: him. That was Barnes.
1: Yeah, that's right. That was Barnes. But now he's not even here.
0: I <laughs> know. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. Um, but, yeah, so I guess moving on from Dirk, uh, other than that, you know, we were kind of talking before we hit record – the Mavericks are just kind of like a boring, bad team right now. You know, obviously watching Luka is still as fun as it's ever been, uh, but he missed a game uh, coming back from the All-Star break. He missed two games, I believe, coming back from the All-Star break. Yeah. So the, so those two games were kind of re- – they were really tough to watch. Um, and now that the Mavericks have kind of – their the playoff hopes are gone, they're not really tanking because – there's almost no chance that they'll be able to keep their pick unless they have some miraculous lottery luck. So, you know, the teams below them are so far below them. There's no point in trying to catch them and they're not really in the playoff hunt. So they're kind of experimenting right now. That's probably the most interesting thing. They're kind of mixing and matching with their new parts that they got from the Perzingis trade and from the Barnes trade. So I figured the next best thing to talk about outside of, you know, the Dirk news from Wednesday night is kind of looking at the new guys that they got, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke, uh, Justin Jackson. You know, those are the three main guys that they got back that are playing and, and kind of see where they're at and, and give some thoughts. Uh, I, I figure the first one we should go with is Tim Hardaway Jr. He's probably the most high profile guy they got back. Obviously the biggest contract. He has a, has a pretty bit meaty contract that they got back. That was like the, uh, the tax on the Porzingis trade. He's been okay. He's kind of been as advertised, which is he is a relatively inefficient scorer that has some bounce and can make some smart plays occasionally. But otherwise, he's, it feels like he's doing exactly what he did in New York and what he did the year before pretty much. You know, he's shooting about 42% from the field, 33% from three averaging about 17 points per game. That's kind of what he does. Um, I think the most surprising thing about Hardaway Jr., since as someone that doesn't watch him all the time, he really garnered the reputation as like, hey, you know, he's a three-point shooter. Like that's a a big skill of his, and he has that uh, to go on. And man, he, outside of maybe one or two seasons, he has not been a good three-point shooter. His career high is 36 back in his rookie year. Other than that, he's only been thirty-five or better once, and that was uh his season with the Hawks. He was at 35.7 percent. After that, thirty-one percent uh with the Knicks, and then this season he's basically hovering between thirty-three and thirty-four percent from three. So it's it's kind of like fool's gold with him. Like he he's got this reputation as a shooter. He shoots a lot of threes. Uh he's averaging seven and a half over seven and a half threes per game in Dallas, but He's not even hitting. He's not even like a league average shooter, uh, which is kind of surprising, and, and it, it kind of dampens my enthusiasm about what he could be with the Mavericks going forward. Kind of, what's your take?
1: Uh yeah. I mean, I see a lot of love for him on the old uh, the old Twitterverse, which is fine, whatever. Uh, but yeah, he's he's the Mavericks' highest paid player currently, which is something that I don't think is brought up a lot. Uh, he makes eighteen million dollars, which. But you know, they didn't they're not the ones that signed that contract. They're just the ones that inherited it, and it's fine. I'm not I don't know. I don't know really where I am with him just yet. I think he's fine. Like, I don't expect a whole lot from him. So when he does nice things, it's it's great. <laughs> you know? Like he's out there as I mean, I don't want to call him a bad shooter because I don't think he is technically a bad shooter. But yeah, like you said, he's not hitting league average. What he is, though, he's another ball handler. And, you know, he doesn't turn the ball over much, like if at all, against the Pacers, he didn't have a single turnover. And, you know, frankly, with Luka kind of being a turnover machine of late, that's important. To be able to hand the ball off to someone who's just gonna keep it under control for a while. And that's something Carlisle's kinda of talked about here for a few years is the the need for this team to have multiple playmakers, multiple ball handlers on the court at the same time. And I think you know, Hardaway Jr. fills that role of another playmaker, another ball handler, cause Luca can't do it all. <laughs> like, I mean I like Jalen Brunson probably more than a lot of people do. Uh, But, you know, he's still a rookie. He's still learning. And frankly, he's going to have bad nights from time to time. Uh, At least Hardaway is a pretty seasoned veteran at this point. I think he's been in the league, what, five years now? So he is what he is as far as I'm concerned. He's going to go score you anywhere from 15 to 25 points. On any given night, which frankly this Mavericks team needs right now. I mean, his 20 points against the Pacers, you know, is one of the reasons they they won. You know, got that nine point win. Uh, yeah, I, I for me, it's you know, it's it's still a waiting game with him and you know some of the other players that they brought on as well. I don't I don't want to prejudge. They've won. They haven't even been here a month just yet, you know.
0: Yeah, there's still a lot to to work out with them, and and yeah, you know, when you talk about Hardaway Jr. and they need kind of his scoring pop because there's not a lot of other guys on the team that can get off their own shot. Really, uh, they definitely need something, someone like that next to Luca. My hope is that Hard- they can use their cap space this summer uh, as much as I hate. Uh, pining hopes on cap space. Hopefully, maybe they could use it and and get another guard or wing that's a little bit better than Hardaway Jr. so that he can become like a super six man off the bench. Because I feel like that's really where his game can maybe shine. You know, Instead of going up against starters for 30 30 minutes a night, he can uh, come off the bench and, and go against the reserves and not have to worry about taking too many shots or doing anything like that. Maybe he can prop up an offense a little bit more because uh, with the starters he might be that might be a little overmatched you know he's not necessarily a great defender and and, and, and uh, he's not necessarily you know he can make some plays he can make some passes he's definitely a more willing passer than you know Harrison Barnes or, or Wesley Matthews um but I don't know if I would necessarily count on him to to run pick and rolls and things like that but Yeah, you know, like you said, Luca needs help. He needs scoring help. He can't do everything. Uh, Teams are getting really aggressive with their double teams lately, and I feel like they're trying to take the ball out of his hands a lot. And I think that's because they're not scared of really anyone else on the floor. Uh, So, you know, Hardaway Jr. can be – hopefully be a guy like that that can be kind of a release valve type player that – you know, maybe he's not necessarily a dribble penetrator guy, but just another guy that can, that can score and you can give him the ball toward the end of the shot clock and, and tell him to get up a shot and he'll try to get up the best one. I don't know if it'd be a great one. Uh, but yeah, you know, like you said, there's nothing much to to see from him. He's kind of been business as usual in terms of his career output. Uh, so hopefully the Mavericks won't be saddled down too much by his contract uh, and he can maybe call off the bench and, and he'd look a lot better. Um Trey Burke didn't play against the Pacers Wednesday night. Uh, Doyle uh, told me he had an illness on the injury report, uh, so he didn't suit up. Uh, But he's played in a handful of games, and he's looked okay. Um, He's kind of a guy that I don't think a lot of people are expecting him to be back on the roster next year because the Mavericks have Luka's point guard. They they drafted Jalen Brunson. He, uh, you expect them to maybe uh, try to sign a starting guard so that Brunson can come back off the bench. So you've got JJ Borea, who they will most likely bring back and let him rehab and recover from his Achilles uh, tear. So that doesn't really leave a lot of room for Burke in their shopping plans this summer. But I've kind of liked him. You know, he's he makes some bad plays and he makes some he has some bad turnovers and. He misses, you know, he shoots when he should pass in the pick and roll sometimes, which is not great. You know, he's missed Dirk on some wide open looks, but you know he's only been with the team for a handful of games. So, you know, hopefully he would get better at that if he stayed. Uh, I've just liked his kind of, he's a little bit bigger than I thought. I know he's listed at 6'1", but he just seems a little bit bigger on the floor. I don't know if that's because the Mavericks have a penchant for rolling out the the tiniest guards off the bench with JJ and, and then Yogi Ferrell. Uh, And then, you know, Brunson's not necessarily a a physical presence. So maybe that's it. But he just seems a little bit longer than I remember from him uh, since I don't watch him all the time when he was in New York and his other stops. But he's a good shooter. And I like the idea of, you know, giving Luca as many shooters as possible. I like the idea of having another backup point. Uh, since Rick likes having multiple ball handlers on the floor at the same time, especially with the bench units. He likes to do that to juice up bench units that might miss need some more pop. Um, and with J.J. out, if Brunson's your only backup point guard and, and Devin Harris, maybe he retires or, or he moves on uh, this summer. He would be nice to have as an insurance policy until J.J. gets back and, and is better. And then maybe just in case J.J. doesn't come back to the player that he was because, hey, those Achilles injuries are – They can be career killers, so I I would like to see him back on a a reasonable deal, but he's probably looking something for a little little bit bigger and a little bit more secure since he's bounced around the league a lot. Uh, But I guess he's just been kind of a pleasant surprise. Nothing too crazy, but I've just enjoyed watching him play, and I think his skill set fits in with what the Mavericks like to do. I think they could get a lot out of him. I just don't know if he's even on their radar in terms of what they're going to do this summer.
1: Yeah, he's been getting he's gotten some decent run here with the team. He's before uh, he didn't play against the Pacers. He played in every game since he came over, which you know is saying something. Um, yeah, like you said, he's a good. He shoots a high percentage. Uh, he seems mostly competent when he's on the floor. He does make some bonehead plays from time to time, and that'll get him yanked out the game. But yeah. Uh, I think his return to the team is totally contingent on what happens with Berea because if Berea can't come back and like I'm I'm kind of in the same boat you are in terms of this team will always be forever loyal to JJ no matter what and forever, ever and ever. Uh yeah, if So if that injury to JJ, you know, makes him call it quits, then Burke is a relatively cheap option. Like he's not, you know, he can get you a veteran's minimum, fill up that on the, uh, what is that, about $2 million? Like that's not a bad hit. Like to your cap. And I know the Mavericks are going to want as much cap room as they can to go fishing in free agency this summer, even with, you know, throwing a contract potentially at Porzingis. Uh, yeah, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt because like you said, the second unit is fueled by tiny guards that both me and you tower over in the locker room. And, uh, why not? This is this is the Rick system, and if this guy can like be competent and not and play to his strengths at times, go for it. Let Trey Burke go out there, you know, Rain him in a little bit, but let him run some pick and rolls with like Dirk and actually maybe hit Dirk in the pick and roll, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, I I I don't know. Just just like everyone else. And the jury's out but yeah I have I have liked especially what I've seen from Burke so far i I think he is a nice little piece that complements kind of and fits kind of what the team's doing right now in, in terms of just trying to figure out what they have
0: yeah definitely and yeah he's just been he's just been kind of fun to watch and I have a little bit of like a player crush on him because I really liked him in college when he was at Michigan, he was so good in college and um, he was someone that I really hoped that maybe because of his size would fall that year in the draft. I think that was the year coming off of the beard 500 beard season. So the Mavs had, that was the year the Mavs had the 13th pick and I was really hoping he would maybe drop somehow drop out of the top 10, but uh, he got picked in the top 10 and, uh, and, and you know Mavericks eventually got Shane Larkin, and we know how that went. But uh, so I've always kind of, I've I've got a little player crush on him, so that's probably why I'd want him to to stick around because I've always enjoyed watching him play, uh, especially in college. And I am a Kansas Jayhawks fan, and he destroyed Kansas in uh, his final college year in, in the in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so I'll never forget, and I'll never forgive. But <laughs> moving on, I know. Uh, moving on to the other guy that's been getting burned uh, from these trades is Justin Jackson uh, brought over from the Harrison Barnes trade. Uh, basically, I think a lot of people felt like he was the throw in and the Barnes trade really coming down to it. The whole point of it was it was a salary dump. So that the Mavericks would get off of his contract. He has a player option this summer. The Mavs were worried he would opt into it and that's $25 million. And then there's kind of the weird, awkward discussion to if, he doesn't take it, or if he does, whenever he becomes a free agent, whether that would have been this summer or next, there would have been the really awkward conversation of how do you approach that? Because it was obvious that Barnes is not worth $25 million a year now that Luka Doncic is on the team and Kristaps Porzingis got traded over here. Uh, so how do you approach a player like Barnes who's really done everything Dallas has asked of him and got above and beyond and been a real uh, bright spot in the community and, and helping the city off the court uh, just as much as on the court. And how do you factor that in? And and how do you tell a guy like that? Hey, we want you back, but you need to take a big pay cut, even though you've done everything and more that we've asked of you, like it just would have been really messy. So the Mavericks avoided that, shipped them out, cleared up cap space for this year, uh, probably improved the team's outlook and building around Luca because, uh, the idea of Barnes was good for next to but just the execution just wasn't there in reality because of Barnes' really weird tunnel vision in terms of passing. So they moved him out, giving more minutes for Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba. But they got Justin Jackson, and he had really fallen out of favor with Kings fans over in Sacramento. Um, he was a 15th overall pick, and he was a junior coming out of college. So I think a lot of people or a lot of Kings fans were hoping that he would be a more NBA ready prospect and, and fit in with their rebuild, maybe a little bit quicker. And they had a really big hole at the three and he wasn't really able to live up to that. Uh, he had a very up and down rookie season. His, this sophomore season before he got traded was also very up and down. You know, he came out of college, supposedly a good spot up shooter, and he's been really iffy on threes. He's been really iffy on threes here in Dallas. He's only made, uh, Man, he's only made like four of them in one, two, three, and yeah, like handful of games. So, not great. Uh, but he's been—he is the most intriguing of the guys they brought over because we kind of know who Burke and we know who Hardaway is. I'm not sure we know who Jackson is. He's still 23 years old, even though he's—he was an older rookie. And he's six eight. He's got the measurables and he's got the profile you would want as a three and D guy but he just doesn't really have the three part of it. And you saw what the Mavericks have been able to do, turning Dorian Finney Smith into a productive rotation guy. And you wonder if Jackson, who is kind of a similar, somewhat similar frame, you know, maybe not as long, a little bit thicker, but you wonder if the Mavericks can do something with him. And he's been oddly effective so far in Dallas. You know, he hasn't played a lot of minutes. He's got his season high season high with the Mavs is 24 minutes and a loss to Utah, Otherwise, he's been getting, you know, somewhere between 11 and 14 minutes uh, when he plays. And he's not hitting threes. He's not necessarily doing a lot in the box score. But uh, I floated a theory in one of the the pieces I've written in the last few weeks that he feels like Mavericks era Jay Crowder and that he does not. You look at the box score and you're like, this guy did nothing like he might as well have not played. But then you look at some of the more advanced numbers and, and look at lineup data and you realize he's part of really useful lineups or and, and positive lineups. And I don't know if Jackson is at that level yet, but he's kind of making contributions that feel like that. And he's had some moments off the bench with some lineups that have gotten some good run. Uh, I believe in the Houston game a couple of weeks ago, he only played 11 minutes, but he scored nine points and was part of a couple of good runs off the bench. So he feels like that kind of guy that doesn't necessarily jump off the box score to you, but kind of does some little things here and there Play some solid defense, uh, moves the ball when needed, is in a black hole. And yeah, that, that's it, doesn't sound amazing. And, you know, I don't know if the Mavericks have plans for him in the future, but if he's your third wing in the rotation or your, your fourth wing and, or your second or third wing off the bench, you know, you could do worse. And I think there's something there with him. You know, what do you think?
1: Justin Jackson is the one guy I can't figure out. Like you said, we kind of know what we got with Trey Burke. We know what we have with Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, when Courtney Lee plays, we know what we have with him because he's been in the league since, you know, I was a young wee lad. Actually, he's, I think, a year younger than me. But I don't – I watch Justin Jackson when I'm at the games to try and figure out who he is and what he's doing – and, man, I'll tell you, I don't know. <laughs> like, I literally don't know. They were, I don't remember the team they were playing, but it was one of the recent games. He missed all his shots and I think was like a plus seven. And then the next night he goes off and, like, hits all of his shots and is a negative something. And then against the Pacers on Wednesday night, He gets four points and there's a minus one and he plays, you know, just over 14 minutes and, you know, does does a few good things, you know? And he's just all over the place. I don't know if it's because he hasn't really had a real defined role. I don't know necessarily what he did in Sacramento, but he was only getting about 20 minutes there and, hadn't really started any games since his rookie season and frankly wasn't contributing a whole lot on a you know per game basis and his per 36 numbers are okay, but I don't know that you can play him <laughs> a whole lot. I think the way Dallas is using him now and it's just, you know, eleven minutes a game is what he's played so far and in, in eight games it's just about right to get to try and feel him out because you know like you said he's got the size i see i see where people think that there can be something there i get that but the consistency just isn't there for me and Yeah, I don't know. He's like an enigma for me. I don't know how to solve Justin Jackson. And so he's won. He has defeated me, and that's fair.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe you'll get a better idea of him next season because I would imagine he'll be useful for the Mavericks next year because he is cost-controlled and he is going to be cheap. And depending on what the Mavericks want to do with their cap space, uh, unless they trade him to to clear some more room if they want to, like, bring in a max guy uh, but otherwise he should be a cheap bench guy uh, role player. So maybe next season we he'll get some more burn and, and we could kind of figure out maybe a little bit more about him, but yeah, he is, he is intriguing and he is interesting and yeah, he's it's hard to, it's hard to peg how good he's going to be and talking to some Kings fans and, and Kings bloggers on Twitter they were just as befuddled because they would look at the data and he'd be part of some of their best lineups and his numbers would be terrible. So they, they didn't know either. So that just might be his deal. But yeah, like I said, I think he's, I think he's a Mavericks version of Jay Crowder and that player made a lot of people tear their hair out, but he was, he wasn't that bad uh, in the end. Um, and, yeah, you mentioned the other guy that has played since the trades in Courtney Lee. Uh, he hasn't really played all that much. Um, the most he's played was 16 minutes against the Jazz uh, last week. Otherwise, you know, barely getting some minutes, hasn't played the last two games. Not sure what to make of him. Otherwise, you know, other than we know, kind of know what he is already as a 30-plus-year-old veteran. He's a three, pure 3 and D guy, a guy that can guard twos and threes. Can spot up and hit threes, has a good track record as a three point shooter in his career, has hit some kind of weird injury bug this season. He's been hasn't really played much at all in New York this season. It's carrying over to Dallas and in Slack, in our Slack thread, and, and on Twitter. We're trying to figure out necessarily what's going on with him because he's playing a little bit. So you would assume he's somewhat healthy, but if he is, why isn't he playing more? My theory is I think Carlisle kind of already knows what he's getting out of Courtney Lee. So he doesn't really need to audition him for anything. You know, they already know, you know, the team definitely needs to give his more minutes to guys like Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba, Jalen Brunson, you know, Trey Burke, uh, all those guys, you know, Justin Jackson, all those guys that are relatively young and that are still kind of growing and that are probably going to be part of the team next year, you know, most of them, and are going to have some roles that they need to kind of figure out and see how they play next to Luca and see what they want to do this summer in terms of maybe holding on to them or maybe trading them or things like that. So maybe with Courtney Lee, Rick figures, you know what? I really know what I got in him. Uh, I've got a steady, steady veteran that can hit threes and play some defense. But his injury, I think, is related to some neck issues and. I wonder if maybe that injury is just flaring up and is keeping him off the court for bigger minutes. And maybe that's why he's not playing as much because he can't get that injury under control. Not entirely sure, but I mean, I don't even know what else there is to say about him. He's been around the league for a while, 10 years, you know, he is what he is. You know, if, if he is healthy next season, I think he'll be useful for the Mavs. Uh, because he's another guy that you peg is a really nice fit next to Kristaps and Luca in terms of a guy that can spread the floor around them and can hit shots when those guys get double teamed and can play defense, uh, especially with Luca, their Mavs are going to need to surround him with as many perimeter defenders as possible. Cause even though Luca kind of has the smarts to be a good defender, you know, physically, you know, they can't expect him to chase around point guards or, or guards or anything like that. So We'll see, you know. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about Courtney Lee. I, I know you probably. I'm not sure you Doyle if you have anything else to add, but you know, otherwise, that's kind of it in terms of the the new guys that have come on in the last uh, two or three weeks. I'll,
1: uh, I'll I'll stand for Courtney Lee for just a, one second here. So Courtney Lee played at Western Kentucky in college, and back then Western Kentucky was in the Sun Belt Conference. And so is my alma mater, the University of North Texas. So I got to watch Courtney Lee, you know, play UNT, you know, back in Denton once a year. Kid could ball. So I am thrilled to see somebody who came out of that conference. Both schools have since moved on to Conference USA. I'm thrilled to have seen someone who has made it. You know, had a 10-year had a career in the NBA and is still a viable part of the NBA and probably still has a few years left. So shout out to Courtney Lee. He he was part of that uh, Hilltopper team, I believe, that went to the Sweet 16, just upsetting everyone right and left. That was a fun watch. Also, uh, the Hilltopper's mascot is ridiculous and will eat fans during the game. It's pretty impressive. So there's my standpoint for uh, Courtney Lee. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan just based on uh, – the old sunbelt conference play, getting to
0: getting to see him at the super pit once a year <laughs> all right that's good that's good take i like that i forgot that he i remember him playing for western kentucky but i i forgot that they played in played against unt and were in their conference back then
1: oh sure they, they they were the they were the best school in the conference like uh unt went dancing twice once while I was still in school and then once right after I got out. And so you had to go through Western Kentucky just to get into the tournament just because, you know, doesn't matter how good your record is. You're, when you're in a mid-major, you got to win your, your conference championship to go.
0: Yeah. Uh, did, um, did you guys – I know you said UNT went to the tournament a couple of times. Did they – did they go to the tournament while he was at Western Kentucky at all, or did he kind of run the conference when he was there? Uh, yeah. Oh gosh, I'd have to
1: look it up. I th- I think the UNT went in oh six or 07 because uh, Courtney Lee started college a year after me. He I started in two thousand three, and he started in two thousand four. So he, he was in college the entire time I was, because so I, I took a couple of victory laps. <laughs> and, you know, he went to the NBA instead. That was <laughs> But, yeah, so, so yeah, we, UNT had to go through them every year. And for the most part, they, the, the Hilltoppers were just significantly better. Johnny Jones put together a good program there before going off to LSU, though, so... It was a good competitive. Like they, they were rivals, and so that was a good rivalry in the
0: conference. Yeah, I don't. Uh, if we're going into college, but our college alma mater basketball history, you definitely have me beat at, at UT Arlington. We've only been in the NCAA tournament once, and that was 2008. And otherwise,
1: uh, not so much. But. Hey, I mean, UTA consistently beats uh, UNT, which is a a thorn in my side every year. And I don't know how y'all used to play on a stage in an auditorium. It's ridiculous.
0: I know. I used to cover games uh, on that stage. It was (laughs) the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) <laughs> but it, it, made, well, it made it for some really cool photos for our for our photographers on the student newspaper but otherwise that's it was not ideal
1: yeah i can i, I can see how it's not ideal i didn't like paul george break his leg on a stage for a team usa like exhibition game
0: <laughs> oh yeah i think that's right
1: yeah re, re, they no more stages as basketball courts that's i think we, i think we've learned a lesson a valuable lesson
0: that's fair i'll be with you on that uh yeah <laughs> Otherwise, uh, I don't, man, like you said, this Mavs team is outside of Luca outside of the watching the new guys kind of mix in there's, you know, and the Dirk story, you know, that's about it. Uh, otherwise, is there anything else you've been, been watching or, or seeing, you know, I know that you are in the locker room and you're writing stuff for us and you're writing stuff for Forbes. Is there anything you've written lately you want to talk about or anything you've seen in the locker room lately that's interesting or anything like that before we wrap up? Um, i know i'm putting you on the spot. shoes are, yeah
1: lucas shoes are crazy like yeah. i think everyone knows that but like seeing them in person like one no one needs that many shoes man come on like that's <laughs> ridiculous but two like where where, like where does he find all these like insane exclusive colorways like i know there's a bunch of sneaker heads out there and i used to be one i used to like literally intern for a sneaker blog many 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 years ago and so I get that they're out there, but am I so washed that I don't even know where to find these things anymore? I mean, I guess so. I'm in my 30s, so that would make sense. But his collection's outrageous. And something something to look forward to this summer. All of Luca's shoes are Nike's. His contract with Nike is up this summer. So that's going to be a big thing heading his way in terms of, you know, contract negotiation that, you know, so just keep your eye out for that.
0: Has right, there, has there been any whispers or anything about that? Or has that kind of been like an undercurrent kind of story? That's kind of under the flying under the radar.
1: It's very much under the radar. I think I've only seen it mentioned once. Uh. Uh, I need to see what I can find out about it, but you know, who knows if I can even find anything, but yeah, that's, I think that'll be an interesting situation because that's. I mean, I think that. I don't think there's any way he doesn't. He goes to another shoe label. Like, Luke is not going to Under Armour or something like
0: that. <laughs> hey, Nike blew it with Steph. You never know.
1: That's true. I mean, but, you know, Steph also promotes water. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, Luke, I think Luke has a little bit more flair at. His age compared to Steph at, Steph at 19 to Luca at 19.
1: Yeah, he had a rental Ferrari, which was ridiculous. Like, come on.
0: Oh, that was a rental? That wasn't his?
1: Yeah, I heard it was a rental. Yeah.
0: Man, what are you doing? That's opulence right there. <laughs> What's this? Oh, I'm just driving the Ferrari for the week and then I'll, you know, maybe I'll get a Benz next week. We'll see how I feel.
1: And the thing is, like, it's not like he's got to go far to the arena. Like, yeah. he. He he lives like four, maybe four blocks away. Like so, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what's going through the head of these kids? These kids these days.
0: <laughs> I was about to say, hey, if you were nineteen and you had millions of dollars in your bank account, you know what? You'd you'd rent that Ferrari, maybe. Well, not you. No, probably you not. Would not do it. Would you would not. Stupid. You you would burn down every car in the city with your funds. You would campaign against. Suburban America with your money. Well,
1: no, I had a car at nineteen, honestly. So,
0: oh, I yeah. didn't know that about you.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, my my only car. It lasted me until it's been ten years. It's been ten years now. So yeah, since I've had <laughs> one. yeah
0: Well, we learn something new every day. Hey, I
1: I got something new to tell you every time you bring me on.
0: <laughs> well, let's make sure we bring you on more often. <laughs> I will be better about it. I know I've been really up and down with the scheduling lately. But Doyle, thanks for coming on. I always appreciate your insights, um, especially you're one of our locker room guys along with Bryce. Uh, so it's nice to hear kind of what's going on there since uh, I'm unable to to get to games as much as I used to. Um, so it's always fun to have you on for that. And, of course, just all your other good takes. Uh, so thanks for hopping on on, on, a, on a weeknight. Uh, I appreciate it.
1: No problem, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, we will do this again sometime in the future. Otherwise, this podcast is done. You're listening to the Mads Moneyball podcast. Catch us next week, and we'll see you then.